Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. I prefer to call it the Missouri Compromise. <laughs> not really sure what you want to be, serious or not. Eat them all. There's a strong argument that they are a better recruiting program now under Ryan Day than they were under Urban Meyer. And SI's Pat Forty. Do you remember back in June when everybody was really worried about the transfer portal? That's been so blown <laughs> off the map by the uh, by the NIL new frontier that that it's like. What yesterday's front burner emergency is is no longer today's. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I right, welcome to the pod. We got Pete back. Pete's back. Congratulations, Pete. I couldn't take the mockery anymore. Um, so, and then the, the, the lack no of longer. Uh, the, the lack of random specific like positional coach talk when when I've when I've listened on my runs. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm back to fill my to fill my lane. If he's going to break Buffalo recruiting news, it's going to be from the living room instead of the beach for uh, today, <laughs> at least. Sources. <laughs> Richmond cornerbacks coach Ross Douglas is expected to take a quality control position with the New England Patriots. He's a former player at Michigan and Rutgers who worked with Greg Schiano's staff in 2020. Sources. <laughs> Texas Tech director of recruiting Eron Hodges is leaving for Louisville. <laughs> He'll work as a defensive quality control and recruiting coordinator at Louisville. Could be Pat's neighbor. <laughs> this one's just embarrassing, by the way. <laughs> Sources. <laughs> These are all Pete, Pete on vacation. Pete on vacation. He knows how to vacation, let me tell you. <laughs> so, I mean, I wonder who the source is for this. Sources. Buffalo has received 12 commitments among the 14 official visits it has held since Mo Linguist took over as coach. Nine of those are commitments for the 2022 class. Bulls off to a hot start. You had to interrupt a day at the beach to let us know that Buffalo's killing it in recruiting. Bulls fans need their knowledge, Dan. <laughs> I wonder who leaked that to you. Who could it be? Who could the source uh. be? We will not let our uh, our deep throat uh, emerge today on the podcast. That, that would be like unfair. It. it would be unfair. Oh, I would yeah. go to the grave with my sources. All right, impossible go. to figure that crack that one. Gee, I wonder who benefited <laughs> from that tweet. Maybe the guy's name in it. Uh, let me just say this: and what the best part now is this bit has taken on a life of its own. So every time you <laughs> you tweet one of these obscure coaching maneuvers, it's like. The, all the things underneath are not fans of the school going, oh, that guy sounds good. It's all at me and Pete and Pat and Sully going, tell him to enjoy the vacation. Uh, everyone now knows when you're on vacation, so they're watching to see when you're tweeting. And they can out you for not vacationing on vacation. I'm still on vacation, actually, by the way, doing this podcast. Okay. So. Life, life goes on. I'm not, I'm not complaining. So I kind of am too. But these, the podcast is fun. So it's yeah. like whether. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I was, I, uh, I was, on. I was hoping uh, me showing up would alleviate some of the mockery, but clearly it's only amplified <laughs> it. So <laughs> such is life. I, I know what I signed up for here. You know, <laughs> uh, we'll get, we'll get to all the college football news. Pat apparently has too much work to do to go on vacation before the Olympics. Pat, Pat, and I will be heading to Tokyo, July nineteenth. And we will do the pod from Tokyo because Lord knows the mayhem that we will get into. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it may uh, it may be eight percent college athletics talk, but we're going to tell uh, you what's going on in Tokyo and what's uh, not usually, going on. Usually during yeah. the Olympics, I'm quite eager to get to some kind of normalcy. Yeah, uh, I will. We will not bore you with like you know the intricacies of rhythmic gymnastics. <laughs> no, um, but we will. Uh, and I did uh, rock, rock paper scissors. You have to call him for bail money if there's an international incident. Not oh, me. who knows? <laughs> no, you just screwed. Me. I'll be in Vegas Don't the last weekend of the Olympics, so Pete will take over then. He'll okay. be keeping the same hours as you at that point. So yeah, true, <laughs> Pat. Pat, why did you sign up for lots of pre-Olympic work? I don't understand <laughs> what you're doing because you're already so. Pat and I apparently are on the same flight to Tokyo. Yeah. And and, which is like uh, the flight is, I believe, 33 hours long. <laughs> and so I I plan on getting uh, drunk you know, two, three times on the flight. I don't know. I once went 16 hours in coach to the Korea Olympics. That was fun. Yeah. 16 hours. <laughs> like you watch two movies. I did some work. I took a nap. I, you know, they served you dinner. I watched. I got. I, I don't know what I did. And then you're still like, oh, there's still six hours left. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to watch any more movies. It is the the longest period of your life, those Trans-Pacific flights. I mean, because that's it. You you can find eight things to do with your time, and it's still going to come nowhere near close to filling <laughs> the amount of time. <laughs> I remember when I went to when, Beijing, I wrote pretty much every story I had to do for the New York Times College football preview on the flight. <laughs> from uh, uh, I think it was Newark to Beijing. I was writing about like Max Hall while like, <laughs> you know, and I was definitely in coach and I was definitely in a window seat. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, oh, there goes another one. There goes another one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pat is trying to claim he has too much work to drink with me on the flight. And I just find this to be um, uh, a, a <laughs> violation of podcast policy. Well, now that I found out we're on the same flight, I, I surrender. I, I will get the work done beforehand because the chance to drink with Dan Wetzel doesn't come around th that often anymore. So I will, um, if duty calls, I will serve. I will answer. You're not allowed call. in Japan either because we're not well, allowed in yeah. bars. Yeah. And the bars are closing currently at 7 p.m. Nice. <laughs> due to COVID nice. restrictions. Yeah. And we're not and allowed I, in. And, yeah, since and I don't think you do and I are staying anywhere near each other. So No. And neither of us look like a maybe your typical Tokyo resident. So I don't think we can kind of sneak in. <laughs> yeah. We're, we would have a hard time kind of, yeah, trying to blend in naturally there. Yeah. Nobody's so, going to yeah. ask you guys for directions on the street. No. <laughs> no. No. What oh, they're going to yeah, do is totally. they're going to say, why are you foreigners on the street? And they're going to call the cops. Because mm -hmm. it's, they do not want foreigners there and they do not want the media out just running around. So we're not allowed to walk the streets. Nope. We are not allowed to eat at restaurants, go to bars. I shed a tear, uh, go shopping, no shops, no gyms. Right. And don't talk to anyone who is Japanese. That's one. Of the <laughs> <laughs> Your reputation uh, precedes you down. This is pretty much what the uh, most of uh, college athletics would like to do with me, too. Do not talk to anyone in our business. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, stay in your hotel college room. sports is paying attention to Japan's yeah. lockdown here. They'll, they'll say this is genius and it'll all be implemented by Labor Day. Saban has his whale and Smithers fingers. Excellent. Exactly. <laughs> all media must stay in the courtyard. Do not leave. We'll allow you to come and witness the game, but then you must leave immediately after and speak to nobody. That's right. We will grant you a three-minute Zoom call. <laughs> yep. We'll take two Good questions. Times. Good times. All right. So anyway, we got that going on. Hey, wh whoever is you know works at Delta and listens to this podcast, you better have like the, the best. You know, you can't have the B-list drink cart girl for that flight. I mean, she better have calves of steel because uh, you know she's gonna be she's gonna be moving up and down that aisle. We're coming. <laughs> We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> We got, I mean, I'm not driving. I don't have to fly the plane and I'm not driving in Japan. I can't even leave my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, this so, will be our one chance for frivolity for three weeks. Yeah. The this big is question is, can you take I, the cart with you once you get off the plane? No. <laughs> we you're can not try even to make allowed, a break for it. You're not even allowed to stop at the duty free and stock up on alcohol to take right. to your room. Right. No, nothing. Can't bring anything in, and you can't. I'm like, what? Is there a I'm Japanese drizzly? 
I'm going to bribe <laughs> my front desk people to go to the store because I'm stuck in my room. Right. For three weeks. Aren't you done your hotel allegedly have a rooftop bar? Is it going to be we open? switched? No, we switched hotels. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, well. Oof. But no, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Hopefully it's better than it sounds because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll do daily podcasts just for something to do. <laughs> All right. Big NIL news. This is the my favorite so far. Arkansas barbecue joint Wright's Barbecue, which I actually follow on Instagram if you want to get hungry every day. Wright's Barbecue in Bentonville and Johnson as two locations. They're big college football guys. They signed the entire Arkansas offensive line. Genius. 3,693 pounds of USDA <laughs> offensive linemen. <laughs> it's according to Sully. Plus some defensive linemen as well. I don't know what they're getting. Well, hopefully they're getting a bunch of free Q. Yeah. Free Q. There what else would you want? Like, <laughs> yeah, just pay me in pork shoulder. <laughs> Brett Greenberg, who works at the uh, Tuscaloosa News, noted that uh, some of the athlete deals with PSD underwear. He got the he got the some of the stuff. Uh, basically, you get uh, free underwear. That's all you get. Okay. No money. But do they I have mean, to model it or do they just take a picture? Uh, nah, of they have like... to do. They just have to mention it on TikTok or something. I don't know. Mm. Modeling it would deals, be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to go there. God knows. <laughs> uh, the one that got the most attention, I think, or two. One is uh, Oregon defensive lineman Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Who's a top three with, pick. I mean, he's like yeah. he's the yeah. number one recruit in his class. Kayvon Thibodeau's a real guy. He's working with Nike. And uh, there's always been the new, you know, the, the the fear is someone like Phil Knight will come in and, and buy all the all the players and stuff like that. I don't know if that's true. And then the other one is is the University of Miami, which, you know, has never uh, before had any incidents where anyone paid the players. <laughs> so this is new for Miami. <laughs> yeah. The owner of American Top Team, Dan Lambert, is a huge Miami fan. Now, American Top Team is pretty much is one of the two or three best MMA gyms in a, in the world. Amanda Nunez, among many others, works out of American Top Team. They've had just a ton of Jorge Masvidal. They have tons of champions, right? And there's a bunch of gyms all over. This guy is going to give six grand to every single Miami football player, all 90 of them, 540 grand per year. So if you play at the U, you get six grand. Base. Yeah. 500 a month. Pretty interesting. How many of those uh, deals will go down where you just it's sort of like there's a base salary? Because that's what I kind of expect. Now, I don't know if 540 grand is worth it as a marketing deal, but I don't know if this guy cares. Just say instead of giving 540 to the athletic department, which we can get to, I'll just give it to each of the players. Uh, he certainly got a lot of publicity in his market for this move. Uh, I mean, it's a huge story. The Miami Herald it was on all the TV stations and all that. So that may help. Thoughts on that one? I thought that was pretty interesting where you're just basically saying, this is my marketing budget. I'm throwing it all to each guy evenly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting. And I do want to see if that becomes kind of a template for other places, because the one thing that does, it alleviates the, I think, overblown fear of creating an unequal pay scale in the locker room. Um, you know, everybody's getting the same amount and it doesn't preclude some players like Derek King from having other deals. So, you know, that way you you are helping the entire team. I do want to know like what he normally gives if he is an annual booster, annual donor to the school. And if that does impact his uh, donations to the athletic department, if it does, oh, well. I think that uh, it's uh, indicative that, that you, you can find somebody like that probably with almost every school. I mean, somebody who's willing to throw a half million at helping the football program. It may not be as broad-based as his, but, but you can find those guys out there just about everywhere in the Power Five, certainly. Several places that are outside of the Power Five, I would think. So, I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. The other thing, too, now, is this a one-year deal or not? If they go... Four and eight, does he fire everybody and say, y'all suck? Uh, I wonder, you know, I'm not going to spend my money that way next year or, or not. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the take, take your chance uh, world that we're in right now. Well, 
this is what I've gleaned from uh, NIL in the last uh, in the last week and a half. It's like nobody really knows what's happening. All right. I've had more coaches call me to ask me what other coaches are doing more than anyone who can actually give me like a concrete vision of what is happening. So I'm going to say this about the the Miami deal with the full knowledge that nobody really knows what is happening or is going to happen. I do think there's an archetype with what happened at Miami for essentially creating a trust system. So that guy you said owns MMA gyms, Dan, right? Yeah. Training gyms, health clubs, kind of like. 10 years ago, he would have paid 100 grand to put up an ad in the Orange Bowl or wherever, you know, wherever Miami happened to be playing that year that said, hey, come to Steve's gym and come work out. It was probably a pretty ineffective way to to advertise, but that was his way. And you can write that off as a donation, I believe. There's all these like gray areas with, with, with colleges and everything. So if this model, which appears to be within the realm of the rules as we know them, which is great, everybody gets five grand, that's great. What is basically stopping power five school X from saying, okay, let's rally our 10 biggest sponsors and have them put together a kitty that essentially, so say, does everybody get 50 grand? If there's 10 of these guys who step up with a half million. And again, I'm using round numbers, but like, like I really think this is an archetype of what this becomes. And again, you won't be using it as a recruiting inducement, but you, everybody knows if you go to the U now, you're getting five grand. And so they know if you go to Mississippi State or you go to Miami or you go to Texas or you go to USC or Washington or Iowa or wherever, like there is going to be a essentially a minimum payment for a scholarship athlete. And I just think that's where that's where we get to. And that becomes that becomes like part of the recruiting process is well, what you what you are able to annually glean from your scholarship per month, per week, per whatever, per whatever it is. And that's, and then that guy just doesn't give now. Can you, is it a tax donation if you're giving it to the players? Probably not. Right. Right. So no, it's not. I I don't believe it is, but let me add context to this because what you're talking about. So what they're trying to do, what he started, Lambert started as a, a company called bring back the U. And the goal is to, Kendrick Norton, who played, was a former Miami player, lost his arm in a car accident. He's the vice president of community outreach, and they're going to help recruit other businesses in South Florida or anywhere. And then Jorge Masvidal, who I mentioned, who's a very, very prominent uh, UFC star, is an ambassador. So he'll probably be the front-facing guy on this. And as Masvidal says in this video, I'm reading the quotes are taken from the Miami Herald. We have something very special we can do for these athletes to help them get to the next level. Never in their lifetime receive scholarships. Now we can sponsor these great athletes, win many championships, get the community together and go forward and do amazing things. Uh, I look forward to all the local businesses reaching out and getting these athletes to the next level. So basically what this company is doing is outside of the athletic department's fundraising arm, is starting its own company to go around to all the different businesses in South Florida and say, kick in, and we're going to pay these players. So this could get to be, yeah, if you sign in Miami, you get a scholarship room board, all that from the university. You may also get a minimum of 25 grand, or right? A minimum of six at this point. But um, this, this could blow up, right? So what they're doing is they're trying to organize the car dealer and all the different things. But this is a direct competition, of course, to the university's athletic department fundraiser. And I just uh, was told a story. I won't do the details. because I'm not sure what business was hit up for their annual buy a quarter page ad in the game program. And they're saying, why would I do that? I can get more attention by just giving the eight hundred dollars or whatever it is directly to the quarterback. Like that's that's an ineffective means. And we discussed this before. This is a revolution of, of efficiency. There was a time when you wanted to sell your used car, you had to buy a little ad in the newspaper in the classifieds and describe it in like one sentence and hope that somebody saw it. Yep. Now, obviously, there's far more effective online ways. You got pictures, you got everything, right? Remember, you had to buy a house that way. Like they used to have apartments and houses, like four-bedroom colonial, and people would drive around. And go to the and then they find out it's a dump or it's on the side of a busy street or whatever. Now, like Zillow is like one of the most popular people to sit there and scan that thing all day long. So this is an efficiency thing. But for the athletic department, 
those these hundred these eight hundred dollar ads, let alone these five hundred forty thousand dollar deals, add up. And this right. has been the one big threat: is at what point do they say, "I can't. I got to lay some people off. I got to shutter a sport. Even I've got to do this, this, and this because my money is going directly to athletes and not this." And and I think this is the. I mean, this is direct competition to the University of Miami. At the same time, it's giving fans what fans of the U want to win in football. And I would say most fans of of schools would say, yeah, I'll give up that that men's diving team if we can be better in, in football. That's sort of the, the problem, right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's obviously if this is a zero sum game, then what you are giving to the athletes is being taken away from somewhere else. I, I want to wait and see whether it's six months, whether it's a year, whether it's two years to find out if it really is a zero-sum game. If if universities are reporting significant drops in donations or if this is different money. And we've talked about this some, that some of it is just simply going to come above the table. You know, I don't know who all like is involved in the Miami situation and if they were perhaps ever inclined to help their athletes without anybody knowing it. And now they can do it with everybody knowing it. But I do know this, I can tell you this anecdotally, uh, the late Brett Barrett, uh, who was involved with a lot of schools, was approached and asked to be part of a $1 million pool for recruiting for one school. He said no, he wasn't going to do it. But all of that money now could theoretically be raised on the up and up and be put to work, uh, you know, and and let everybody know front-facing that, yeah, we have raised this much money to help our student-athletes. So, you know, they, where the, where this uh, the shells all move in this shell game is going to be really fascinating, I think, in the next year. So here's two predictions. One, there's still a bunch of underground cheating because nobody wants to pay the taxes. Yeah, right. And I, I mean, that's it's a huge factor. If you're just yeah. giving somebody 100 grand, half of it's gone. Right. So I really do think and then there's also like schools that only know how to operate underground and they're going to stay underground. And that's just <laughs> that world has been so entrenched underground, especially in basketball. It's going to be hard to pull it above ground completely. The other prediction is that it's a bad time to be like the 11th associate athletic director at some power five school because like <laughs> the associate athletic director in charge of getting the Steve's MMA gym sign up in the Orange Bowl is now all of a sudden going to be like, wait a minute, like Derek's just skipping line here and in, in taking the money directly. And I do think we will see some right sizing of athletic departments because those some of the ancillary people become less valuable because the players can now just go directly uh, to where the uh, to, to where the money goes. So, look, I don't think this is again, we've talked about this a bunch. This is going to radically change how the product ends up looking on the field, but it will alter things. I, I don't think there's any there's any doubt about that. And those who are creative, if you can figure out the money ball way you know, if you can figure out the smartest, most efficient way to get money in players' hands, it is going to translate on signing day. Yeah. Another another factor real quick, too, in the in where the, whether the money is above the table or below the table, Pell Grants uh, and other financial aid forms. You know, the, if you, the more that the, the, the government knows you're accepting, uh, the less you may be able to be eligible for yeah. a Pell Grant. And a lot of players get money from Pell Grants. That is true, and and I'm good with that because these guys can make money, and that Pell Grant money, which is finite, can go to more regular students who don't sure. have this opportunity, right? Yeah. The whole point of, of the government aid is when you can't do for yourself, and we understand that there are students. We, everybody's in favor of a poor kid getting to go to college, right? That yes. has shown that acumen. So great, less government dependency funding our athletic departments. Because quite yep. honestly, I you know, I don't really feel that great about if we're going to have a Pell Grant system, which we should. I, I'm fine with a Pell Grant. I'd rather go to the nursing student. I'd rather go to the, the engineer yep. than a football player uh, who has the opportunity, who always could have earned this. Two, one, one thing about Miami, you go back to Nevin Shapiro. OK, so we know a great deal about how Nevin Shapiro operated because of uh, he was indicted federally. He he had a lounge named after him at the University of Miami. He gave money directly to Miami. Uh, there's a famous picture we ran in the story we did on Nevin Shapiro of him handing a check to Donna Shalala at a bowling event, if you remember. It was like a $75,000, and he had 
the what's the is it ibis what's the the, the, yeah, the their the, mascot harry the ibis or whatever the hell no, 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 whatever. <laughs> is there and they're at a bowling Sebastian. 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 There you go. Thank you. At a bowling alley in South Beach. And I mean, it's you a guys great picture. You me, didn't you? <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> but he was also paying all this other stuff, right? At one point, he, he, he claims, I don't know if this is the veracity of this, but he claimed he told Donna Shalala that he would pay, they should name him the head coach, and he would pay $1 million personally to the offensive defensive coordinator and he would just be the figurehead and he'd hire two good football people and they'd win the national championship. He said he claims he made that <laughs> the greatest. I mean, he did run pyramid schemes. So like that <laughs> sounds did. like a pyramid yes. scheme to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, he was like, I'll I'll personally fund the now is when a million would buy you the best guy. Shows right. how crazy. Talk about right sizing. So uh, many years ago, I wrote a column about this, and it, I'll tell you how long ago it, was, it involved Shoelace Robinson. And my oh, point wow. on this was always, so when was that? I mean, that's 10 years probably. At least. When huh? did he last play at Michigan? Probably something like that. He, um, my point was Michigan has an endowment of, you know, whatever, $40 billion. And what they're saying is if we pay, if we allow this, and remember, he was a very exciting player. Right? He was on the cover of EA oh, Sports. And, Denard Robinson would have made yeah. bank. Denard Robinson was like, a big time yes, player. And he had yes. this shoe thing. He didn't tie his shoes. Right. He played with untied shoes and he was called shoelace. And so he I mean, it, it does not take a marketing expert to be like, hey, this is the most exciting player in college football. He doesn't tie his shoes. Uh, you know, Nike could do an ad. I mean, it's good. This is a lot of money. And they and the big argument was, well, if shoelace gets his money, then we can't fund these smaller sports. And my point was Michigan is choosing not to fund these smaller sports. They have $40 billion. They can fund all the sports they want. What they're saying is it's not a priority for them to fund these sports. If So what in my point, and my point remains, what you're saying is it's not important for us, so we're going to make Shoelace Robinson fund it. We're, it. Right? And so if it doesn't matter to you, why does it matter to him? Why are you taking his money and funding sports that don't matter? And that's the same issue. So while and none of us want to see sports go away it's now on miami to fund all of their sports from their general fund build the students whatever and don't take it from Dierra king because right. what they were doing in the past is saying well Dierra king you could have made all this money but we're not allowing you so because of that we're going to take the money that should be yours in an open market and we're going to fund a diving team i assume miami's got a diving team they actually have a very good diving team yes i would kind of kind of expect they would like, if I was a diver, I think Miami would be my spot. You want to um, go to South Dakota State to dive? <laughs> Sources, University of Buffalo diving team sucks. You can dive right in Lake Erie, man. Come on. Right? So this is like, basically, you've given up the monopoly. You've given up control. It's free market. You know? And that's it's going to be inherent on these schools to say, We've, I don't, I, let me say this. I, I don't know how much it's going to change, but I think it's fair to say there'll be a 10%, a 20% dip in donations. Let's say some number. Oh yeah, that's real. It's a parent on the school to find that 10% or admit what they were, what they were basically billing their star football players for and say, we never really cared about the diving program, but we made you care about the diving program, former star athlete. Or admit that we overhired people and need to make some cuts. Well, that's going to be the last cut, though. You know that. <laughs> Always. They don't protect themselves. That's <laughs> the last cut. I, it's very, very interesting where it goes. And I agree with you, Pete. No one knows. Like, I got athletic directors and coach. Yeah, same thing. Like, what, what, what do you think this is? What's happened? You know, like, who knows, man? But that Miami thing to me is the future. A prominent booster will organize the company and then rally all the boosters. And so now Miami, you're the third, you're the 11th athletic director at Miami trying to go out and get deals. And you're dealing with Jorge Masvidal running around against you. Yep. And then it's like that, they're just hire that guy away. I don't know. It's very, very interesting. It's competition, but seeking the same goal. It is funny. I talked to somebody in college sports yesterday who said, <laughs> said, do you remember back in June when everybody was really worried about the transfer portal? That's been so blown <laughs> off the map 
by the uh, by the NIL new frontier that that it's like what yesterday's front burner emergency is is no longer today's. Remember three summers ago when satellite camps were like the, yeah. the oh. scorch. <laughs> you had to talk about manufacturer emergencies. <laughs> satellite camps. Like, Existential threat. It is amazing. Ex- we are lucky to cover this sport where, well, like or this industry, I guess you would say, where there's like everything is always a front burner emergency, even when it doesn't need to be, you know, like they're going to sell alcohol in the stadiums. My God. Yeah. OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's complete bananas. The- like it's July right now. Two of us are on vacation. We could do two and a half hours like with a breeze yeah. on what's <laughs> going on in college football right now. Like easily, yeah. the college coaches are the biggest whiners. That's the oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. like especially basketball. But yeah, football basketball. Yeah. The adversity. No, nothing is funnier than the annual. They change the recruiting calendar in July when we can visit AAU camp. Story <laughs> of all the coaches anonymously complaining. This is crazy. It's like what? Is anyone? <laughs> I can't go directly from the peach jam to the big time. Now I got to go home and see my kids for three days. <laughs> it's existential threat. Uh, on the positive, though, I think all of this is positive, but not. Big 10 freshman of the year in basketball last year, Hunter Dickinson from the University of Michigan withdrew from the NBA draft and is coming back to U of M. He cited NIL opportunities. I would argue that the bigger uh, thing to cite is lack of NBA draft opportunities, but that's fine. Um, doesn't really matter. Michigan's get college basketball's getting a very good player back. And his quote, the NLI stuff has factored into my decision, being able to make a little extra money, not have to worry about my financial session while at school is definitely a pro. I'm glad the NCAA was able to do the right thing and allow students to make money off their brands. Again, we think this will be a big, way of keeping some borderline people in college because a Hunter Dickinson, he could stay four years at Michigan. That team's going to be loaded. He could make a nice penny and obviously not NBA money, but until you're sure, why go? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think it's, it's a, that's another one that's going to be kind of an interesting test case uh, where you are, it's unclear what exactly your draft status is. You like college. You want to be there. You're enjoying it. Well, now you can do it and put an extra five figures, maybe high five figures, maybe low six figures in your pocket while you're uh, while you're at it and get better at your sport and have a good time. You know, I mean, hey, look, I mean, that I am by no means telling anybody they shouldn't go chase life-altering money, but also those of us who have been through college know those are pretty good years, and I, I, I sometimes, you know, don't like to see people rush themselves out of college when they're going to end up 10, 15, 20 years later saying, man, that was as, as much fun as I'm ever going to have. Stay here. Stay as long as you can. For the love of God, cherish it. Yeah, I really think it was smart of Hunter Dickinson to frame his return to Michigan around and I don't know if he framed it he mentioned it and then it got blown up and quote tweeted and and it just offered us a little window into this new world that we're uh, that that we're going to look he's the type of center that the NBA does not value anymore right like he is a big plotter now he's an excellent player but he is not your stretch what is it every every NBA draft prospect now guards one to five guard like Hunter ain't guarding one to five positionless right? yes yes positionless yes yes Hunter's got a position it's center yeah. so <laughs> seven foot one two hundred and sixty pounds man yeah. he's he is yeah. anybody yeah anybody watched Bobby Portis trying to cover Devin Booker on the perimeter last night uh, that if you put Hunter Dickinson in pick and roll like that it's it's not going well so yeah what happened at the end of that UCLA game Pat did they did was Hunter inbounding instead of under the basket yes. when Michigan yes. could have tied the game yeah that was like yes did Juwan Howard ever answer the question about that? I, I saw Juwan Howard had a prep school tournament the other day, and the, the first thing I thought of was your indignant tweets about uh, Hunter Dickinson's misuse at the end of that UCLA game, Pat. Um, yeah, I did not ask I him think, about it. He was on the phone. I, I think it, we, he, if I remember correctly, that we gave the the classic, you know, vague non-answer of like, we thought that play gave us the best chance to score or something uh, like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, nobody else of, thought that. The, the, yeah. the Michigan coaching staff may have thought that. Nobody else in the building or anywhere yes. in America thought that. Yeah. 
didn't take a lot of physics classes at Syracuse, but seven two under hoop little time usually <laughs> it's usually pretty direct line to the basket. So no, Hunter Dickinson, like I, he'll be an interesting test case because a brand name like Hunter Dickinson, who played a year and was the best freshman in the league, is going to be more marketable in Ann Arbor than a top ten recruit. Like there's there he's been there. People know him. He's recognizable. Again, these kids who come in, one of the one of the interesting things in name, image, and likeness is you can't wear the Michigan logo. Like you can't wear school gear. But from what I understand, now is Michigan going to sue someone if they do wear gear in a in a commercial or in an Instagram post? I don't know. But part of you cashing in on your name, image, and likeness is that people have to know your name, what you look like, and that's like a big part of it. And the a lot of these recruits are just sort of like YouTube films, and their their name is recognized to the hardcore fans, but they are not recognizable yet. And so. That, that Hunter Dickinson will be one of the more recognizable players in college basketball next season. There will certainly be others in a market like Michigan. Like he should, he should have all the Zingermans like he ever, he should never pay for Zingermans <laughs> again. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if some Detroit opportunities come his way, like the biggest car dealership in Detroit. Do they pay him 10 grand to go, uh, to go sign autographs is, is Hunter Dickinson more recognizable than the best football player at Michigan right now? I would think yes. yes. I would Absolutely. think yes. First of all, the basketball program was way better. Um, we got to see Hunter Dickinson, yes. and he does literally stand out. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson is probably Michigan football's best player. I haven't read my magazines yet, but I would think that off the top of my head, the defensive end who could have gone and been a first, second round pick and came back, I would think he's the best player on the roster. They got a decent tailback. Uh, JJ McCarthy, oh, that the, Daxel, the safety, maybe. Yeah. Uh, well, the quarterbacks. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but the point is, look, for college basketball, if you can keep a guy for for one more year, like what are we talking? I mean, college basketball gets just pillaged. Yeah. And yes. and for so much of the NBA now, the route is I, I can't I don't know the number. It's a very high percentage of players go play in the G League at some point now. Like the G it, it, the, the guys right. that just get to the NBA and stick and never it, it are pretty pretty low. Very rare. It, it's it's just changed the way it is. It's very much like triple A baseball. Or, or 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 hockey, where you 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 have to go through the minors a little bit, at least for some stretches. So, you know, is there more money that you prepare? It's it's pretty it's it's interesting. It's a it's a good thing. It's a good thing for I, I don't. If you're a Michigan basketball fan, you're pretty happy. Hunter Davis is back, right? Yeah. And if you like college basketball, you're like good. I don't. Why would Hunt? I don't want to see Hunter Dickinson playing for the Rio Grande, or whatever. You know, like I want to. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing college basketball. So the week before the pandemic uh, sort of reared its head and canceled the NCAA tournament, I had spent three days in Portland, Maine with the uh, with the Maine Red Claws, the Celtics uh, G League affiliate. And I was going to do a story about G League versus college basketball at the final four that year. Now, everything got wiped out. I never wrote the story. It just didn't make any sense when just everything got uh, every everything got completely uh, waxed. But the. I, I went up there for a couple of days and talked to all the guys on the Celtics G League team, and they had really interesting perspectives. Some of them left early, uh, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, and a bunch of other guys who could have gone back to college in, in, in the G League. And look, Portland is a great actual city. Like, it's an awesome little place, and they have a cool little gym. And they basically said the thing that attracted them to the G League the most was the ability to play the actual NBA game, meaning on the NBA floor, spaced and paced. That phrase was used quite a bit, like the NBA, as opposed to in, in college, which is just like it's very different basketball. And the other thing was they could work out unlimited. Like they there wasn't like, oh, coach can only be in the gym this time. You know, volleyball's got the gym, all that stuff. No, they could they work out three times a day if they want. And they their workouts are tailored toward their actual profession. A lot of pick and roll read stuff. Anyway, it was it was a really interesting window because the the G League life was fine. Like they went on an off day bowling at like a bowling alley in the Portland Mall and and, and whatever. But it's not like Ritz Carlton's and private flights and filet mignon. Like it's uh, it, they made about eighty grand. I seem to remember uh, that that number being uh, being thrown out, which is a good living, right? Like most. I remember talking to one of the kids' parents uh, who were up there visiting at the time. They were like, "Look, like." First time graduated from college and was making eighty five grand a year, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good living. 
But I would think that there will be a lot of reconsideration for the fringe guy, for the guy inevitably going to the G League. You know, you see these guys. He's staying in the draft despite being projected as a late second-round pick, which means he's not getting drafted. I, I do think that's going to pull some guys like Hunter Dickinson back into college basketball. I also I wonder real quick, let me add this. Like, we're talking about the zero-sum game of money. Like, if, if all the Zingerman's money that maybe went from the programs or signage in the stadiums now goes to Hunter Dickinson. This is all theoretical, of course. Uh, and that is at a loss of 50000 in revenue for Michigan and a gain of 50000 for Hunter Dickinson. Well, if Hunter Dickinson makes the Michigan team a top-five team instead of a top-15 team, do they make up for that in ticket sales? I mean, maybe they sell out every game as a top 15, but you almost assuredly would as a top five. You know, I think that you can there, – there can be some ways to get that money back just by being a better product on the floor or on the field. I agree. Also, uh, as I understand it, they're still getting the Hunter Dickinson jersey sales. Ah, yeah. There you go. Mm, right. So something like that. But, yes, totally. A school like Michigan basketball, which there are – you know, Duke's going to sell out every game no matter what. But Michigan needs to be top five to sell out Chrysler Center every game. Yeah, more tickets, more parking, more, mm -hmm. more all sorts of different things. So more concessions, it's never yeah. bad to win. It's never bad business to win. All right, in a, in, in a cross, cross topic for us here, NIL and Chicken Wars. Oh, uh-oh. Ongoing saga, needless to say, we're all over this. Spencer Rattler, quarterback at Oklahoma. Miles Brennan, quarterback at LSU. Seven Banks, the cornerback at Ohio State. Have all thrown in and are endorsing Raisin Cane's chicken fingers. Big. Big. Sully, does Raisin Cane's have a chicken sandwich? Yes. They have they a do. limited menu, but it's it's that's one of the things on it. I is do love it, the fact that Sully has all this information completely at his fingertips. Yes, yes. I did not hesitate as to where that question should be directed. Are are they a significant combatant in the chicken sandwich? I think they are. Uh, they, they've okay. spread out to Los Angeles. There's a few opening out here, so they're, they're trying to go a little countrywide. So it, mm. more more so than Zaxby's, and Zaxby's has a much more yeah. robust menu. So. At least you can get it out here. My kids are big on on raising canes. They they mm -hmm. they are pro canes. Our friend Coach O is also a big canes uh, supporter. Uh, when it, when we were in oh, the yeah. New Orleans for the national title, first place I went to was canes. Walk in and there's a giant cutout of Coach O with number one raising canes. There you go. <laughs> well, Miles Brennan's holding up a styrofoam container of chicken fingers, fries, dipping sauce, coleslaw. Bread. I hope he. I mean, if he's eating all this, I'm a little concerned. A <laughs> uh, big soda. He's calling himself a caniac, caniac <laughs> ambassador. You didn't go to the chicken joint that they blew up the. Or was that raisin canes? That I've no. been to that one that was, was threatened that to blow up. I'm no, it was to right on. Uh, it was right on Canal. I'd actually been there. I was not the guy. <laughs> yeah, you were not the one threatening to blow it up. Yeah. If you don't remember, a, a gentleman walked into this chicken joint in uh, New Orleans, told the manager he's about going in the bathroom to blow the joint up. <laughs> the manager called the police, thinking it was a bomb threat. Uh, the man was just uh, really rudely declaring <laughs> how he was going to take care of business in the bathroom. <laughs> I still don't know why you taunt him. <laughs> A taunt the manager with that. Like, you're going to be clean. <laughs> Don't you just would, slip in and just do your yeah. thing and get out? Yes. But anyway, that did happen. Um, <laughs> per cap, I, I mean, Louisiana delivers. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you're not, let's say, let's say this. You guys are Heisman voters. Okay. And let's say your pop, I don't know what's your favorite. Pete doesn't eat the chicken sandwich, but Pat, I think yeah. you're a Popeyes. Are you I, with Popeyes? Yeah. I would take Pop to Popeyes okay. with the number one pick. Okay. Yeah. Will the fact that Miles Brennan and Spencer Rattler, and look, no cornerback is winning this thing. Okay, sorry. Seven, but that ain't going to happen. They're sponsoring Raisin Canes, and you're a Popeyes guy. Could this impact your Heisman vote? You know, Dan, I'd like to think that I am high-minded enough that you know, I could rise above petty chicken rivalry and at least put Spencer Rattler second on my ballot. If he goes okay. to Popeye's, I can put him first. But for there now, 
He can get as high as second. How about that? Every action has a reaction. That's right. So be careful out there, gentlemen. <laughs> Popeye's Chick-fil-A, very popular in college football. I don't know. He'd be throwing in with Racing Kane. I personally wouldn't affect me, but I don't vote. So, all right. Two things I want to discuss about uh, Ohio State. Uh, first, this little item is just tremendous. Uh, and I know no no one ever associated with Ohio State, University of Florida, or anywhere else would be. It's got to be shocking news. But uh, Urban Meyer, our, fav- our, our, our pseudo NFL college coach, already been fined for violating rules in the NFL. <laughs> in the single most predictable thing to happen, the Jacksonville Jaguars were fined a hundred grand. And it's going to have to forfeit an undisclosed amount of uh, uh, organized team activity days in 2022 because Urban Meyer was running a, a practice outside the rules. <laughs> Apparently, he was going 11 on 11, which was not allowed. Uh, no, pr- no, no truth to the rumor that Lane Kiffin dimed him out. <laughs> <laughs> Urban Meyer's very first organized team activity in the NFL. The very first day. And he's already breaking the rules. What? No way. That's I saw there were three franchises that got fined for OTA violations and they got fined the most. So they yeah, were they the biggest violator. 49ers uh, and Cowboys got 50 grand each. Yeah. Uh Jags got a hundred. I just love it. Just it's like uh, uh coach, the union says we're only in shorts, jerseys, and helmets. Yeah, Oklahoma drill. What? <laughs> Let's go. Where's Tebow? <laughs> Tebow will do it. <laughs> Who wants to get their stripe on their helmet? <laughs> yeah. No. Say this they about so- Urban Meyer. It's never boring. Like, no, he has no. never been boring nope. in his entire history of coaching. He wasn't even boring. He's a broadcaster. He was a great broadcaster, too. Yeah, yeah. never boring with, uh, with, with, with Urban Meyer. He, uh, yes, he's always running close to the flame. We're, everybody was worry- wondering about Urban's transition from college fiefdom lord to to nfl coach so we he tried to hire chris doyle the the disgraced strength coach from iowa he did hire his old quarterback to play tight end who hasn't played football in like a decade and now he's committed ota violations so i think the transition's just been magnificently smooth so far just and he's got new facilities coming new facilities oh yeah 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 Yeah, gotta have facilities Love it. Urban, you're, we're going to follow Urban like he's a college coach because yes, we, we miss are. him. We can't yes. quit you, Urban. We admit it. <laughs> we need they also may lose to Alabama this year. Now, they really wouldn't lose to Alabama, but they're not, they're not going to be good for a while. Wait till he has to start losing games. Oh, my God. I mean, uh, the man is already invited. How do you violate the rules on day one? <laughs> just there was oblivious to the rules, clearly. He was just like, what? <laughs> they were serious about that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. There is a union. Yes. Yeah, that the, union thing play- that nobody didn't exist in college. Huh. The players don't call home to mom. They call the union. <laughs> mom, I think Coach Myers being too tough. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Yeah. All right. However, the machine that Urban left behind at Ohio State, uh, currently led by Ryan Day, is absolutely crushing it in recruiting right now. Now, Lack of talent is rarely an issue at Ohio State. Uh, It doesn't matter who you got there. You're going to recruit well. But as we watched last year in the national title game, there was still a decided gap between Ohio State and Alabama. Now, I know they won it X number of years ago, seven years ago, but they beat Clemson, so they were making some gains, but Alabama was just a way better team. Just this week, they added a number of five-star recruits Apologies, JT, but JT Tuamaloa, I believe is how you say his name. He is the defensive end from from Belleville, Bellevue, Washington, uh, five star, number six in the rival rankings uh, in the class of 2021. He was a bit of a, a kind of an interesting kid. He never wanted to talk recruiting with any of the recruiting gurus. No one knew what he was going to do. Everyone wanted this kid. Uh, that commitment gives Ohio State. Uh, in the class of 2021, five five-star players, uh, which is the exact same amount as Alabama. And they actually have a higher average star ranking per rivals than Alabama. Uh, they uh, The Buckeyes also have the current number one recruiting class in 2022. Obviously, a long way to go on that. But they have four five-stars in that group and are way ahead of everybody else. Um, 
they're loading up. Brian Hartline in particular seems to be getting a lot of credit for just landing wide receivers galore, just stacking up great players. But the Buckeyes are crushing it right now in recruiting. Pete, we'll go with you, our our Ohio State correspondent. Well, look, like when when Ryan Day took this job over, he did not have the aura of Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer could walk in a living room in Seattle. He could walk in a living room in Los Angeles and Atlanta. And he was a brand name. Ryan Day was not that when when he took over. Um, But I think you mentioned the machine, Dan, and it's led by Mark Pantone. And it's one of the three best recruiting offices in the country, if if not the best one. Certainly Alabama's is is right up there. And there is a uh, defined and refined way that Ohio State has recruited. And they've really recruited nationally. They they don't often lose in Ohio, although I think they did lose to Notre Dame last week on a, on a, on a kid. Um, I think somebody mocked Dan for that because uh, he said he said in the last podcast that they would never Notre Dame would never Ohio State would never lose to Notre Dame on a uh, on an in-state player. <laughs> like one minute after yes, that podcast yes. post, <laughs> every Notre funny. Dame fan is killing me. I'm like, come oh, on, yeah. you didn't get one for 20 years. Oh, All yeah. right. Uh, I got a kick out of that. So, that was um, no, I, I mean, look, what, what Ohio State has been able to do is mine the vast natural resources in, in their local footprint, but really go out and just be a thumper brand nationally, coast to coast. They've dipped into Florida. They've dipped into Atlanta, pillaged Texas, quite frankly, and really gone out. And, and they are there's a strong argument that they are a better recruiting program now under Ryan Day than they were under Urban Meyer. And if you think back like to the class that had, who was it, Bosa, Zeke, and there was like one other top five. I mean, they've had some they had some monster classes, but there has been no there has been no dip. I think we can say safely at this point going into Day's third full season, there has been no dip at all, which is pretty remarkable. And it's a testament to Pantone, first of all. But then, yeah, Brian Hartline's been a juggernaut on the recruiting trail. Al Washington has. Larry Johnson is like the defensive line Yoda. So they have Jack Sawyer and, and Big JT, the, the two best defensive end recruits in that class. Corey Foreman's in that conversation, too. But they basically have two five-star defensive ends who are going to line up across from each other. I was stated a very good defensive line last year. They did not have a thumper game changer top five pick defensive end, which they had essentially had for the last six or seven years prior. And so Sawyer was dominant in the spring. JT obviously comes in with bonafides. I really think that is that like extra giddy up that makes you a playoff team when you have those uh, those type of ends. So, no, everything uh, everything keeps rolling for Ohio State. Kerry Coombs is an elite recruiter. Al Washington, the linebacker coach, has done an unbelievable job. I mean, you can you can go on and on, but what Urban Meyer did when he got to Ohio State, when he really pulled the Big Ten along with him for those years, was he, he arrived there and made recruiting like nationally a priority and part of the culture. And he gave Pantone the resources to build the recruiting department. And that culture of relentless, endless recruiting has obviously resonated in, in maintained there. And it's really simple why Ohio State is so much better than Michigan right now. Just you go one to 25 in these recruiting classes and they are just exponentially better year after year after year. And you stack great classes, the, the difference shows up on the field. Yeah, no, and I mean – the obviously the the carryover effect from staff to staff or head coach to head coach because there is a lot of of same coaches involved has been impressive and it does show that while they've Pete named off all the assistant coaches who are really good at recruiting but the head coach has to be able to finish deals has to be able to close and Ryan Day like Lincoln Riley you know there was that question well how is he going to do as the closer as the new guy look they are selling an offense but they're also selling a personality that's approachable. Uh, you know, I think that, that that Ryan Day has everything to sell and is showing a great ability to sell it and, to Pete's point, sell it outside the footprint, which they have done and continue to do. And it's interesting because we've seen Michigan have to get up and do the same thing. I just saw something on Twitter within the last few minutes where Michigan just got a commitment from a defensive back from Brentwood, Tennessee, who was also considering Auburn and Oklahoma. Uh, for class of 2022. We'll see if that commitment holds. But still, you know what? The the Big Ten has realized, okay, yeah, we got to protect our backyard, but we've also got to go elsewhere. And if Michigan's ever going to catch up to Ohio State, that will also include national recruiting. Yeah, I mean, you look at the way Ohio State's building these classes. So they get four 
they start early four kids from Ohio or all four or five star recruits. They get the best kids from Ohio. Then it's Georgia, Carolina, Texas, Florida, Texas, Arizona, Florida, Florida, Illinois, Memphis, right? They're going all out. Um, I do think there's a great opportunity for that second tier Ohio kid that used to always go to Ohio State that isn't there. There's a lot of good players. And we've talked to Kentucky is particularly feasting on that. Penn State's doing really well in Ohio, things like that. There is a there is that spot where there's a lot of good Ohio players that Ohio State aren't taking. But to me, they have they have revved this up to where they're going to be able to get on a field with Alabama and get as close to equal talent, if not have better talent at some point. Nobody, It's very, very hard to do that. And we see the difference in that title game. We're just watching the game going, yeah, I mean, uh, we could play this game 10 times. Alabama's going to win it, you know, nine of them or something like that. There's still a huge gap. Well, there's going to be less of a gap in a couple of years. I, I could absolutely see Ohio State winning the national title. And, you know, Ryan Day's done an unbelievable job in those first couple of years. But you never really know, even after two years. Larry Coker was 24-0 and 0 at one point. That's true. That's true. And so... If your program is good enough, you're going to get some some years. But then it's and and so now we're at that spot where you're looking at what's this team going to look like five years into Ryan Day's run, six years in, and boy, if this these kids are, I'll take my chances with this many uh, great players. So Buckeyes are rolling right now, and and talk about name, image, and likeness. Yeah, they're going to do all right in Columbus. My goodness, <laughs> wouldn't worry too much about it. I think when you look back at this 22 class that Ohio State is now ranked number uh, number one in that has, I believe, four five stars, which is uh, more than twice than anyone else has at this point. It's still very early. Alabama tends to, to make late charges. Uh, Quinn Ewers from South Lake, Texas, is obviously the, the guy. I, I Tom Herman probably still has his job at Texas if Quinn Ewers keeps his commitment there. You can really, you can really look back to the downfall of Herman at Texas. You can pinpoint a lot of things, but when when Quinn Ewers decommitted and then went to Ohio State, and then they threw a couple losses on after that, that started the backslide to to him getting fired. Because when you have that best in state, best in country five star recruit. That represents hope. And when Quinn Ewers decommitted, that killed the hope for the future of Texas. And uh, I think Hudson Card, who was on campus at Texas, is going to be a hell of a quarterback, by the way. But it, it, I'm not necessarily saying that was right, but that was uh, that was something that Tom Herman could not overcome. That kid's going to Ohio State. So, of course, the five-star receivers want to go play with him, right? I mean, have you, have you guys seen his mullet, uh, Quinn Ewers? I don't know if you guys have seen it. Good. Not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, thank you, Sully. I, I, I like chicken sandwich questions and mullet questions should just, just all be directed. This way. Uh, yeah, yeah. He had, no. he had a nice video with some sidearm action and the, and, the, and the flow coming out the back. It was whoo. I was impressed. Yes. <laughs> yes. The party will be in the back in Columbus uh, starting in 2022. Got to love Sully, the mullet. How many mullets, Sully, were there on the baseball field in Omaha for the College World Series? A million of them. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So many mullets, so many beautiful mustaches. It was it was honestly yeah. impressive how much just <laughs> facial hair and 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 lettuce was flowing out there. Are you still hungover, Sully? From that? No, I'm good now. That? We're good okay. now. Right. But um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm looking at looking at way too early crystal ball uh, next year uh, Omaha eight projections right now. So we're we're ready for next year. It's good to see the mullet make a comeback. Yeah, you know, yeah. everything comes back. Everything, every terrible piece of clothing you've ever had, every terrible haircut you've ever had. And I've had them all. Shorts. It's eventually Shorts coming, are coming back. back. Yeah. Shorts sure. are coming back. Yeah. Yeah. The Baggy mullet jeans are, I, are way back right now. And it's yeah, just that's so to be bad. Honest. So bad. <laughs> I prefer to call it the Missouri Compromise. <laughs> <laughs> not really sure what you want to be, serious or not. Was that signed at Shady Gators at the Lakers? Yeah. You're actually you're invoking Henry Clay on the podcast here. I, I believe you walk into Springfield, right? Missouri, and ask for the Missouri Compromise and a haircut. They know exactly what you're talking about, and it, it isn't it isn't U.S. history. It's got to look good on Monday through Friday. But when I get to Shady Gators, I want to let this thing hang out. Uh, all right, uh, ongoing animal wars. It got to get to them. The ongoing saga in Australia, just it's just awful. Uh, the rodent plague. It's been bad. Uh, a woman, Very bad. a farmer's wife uh, reportedly uh, woke up with a mouse eating her eyeball. Oh, come on. <laughs> Stop no. it. 
No. Yeah, that's what they said. According no. to the Sun. The London Sun is such a reputable paper. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. This is a, I don't believe this story, but it might. I don't know. It's about as <laughs> believable as that guy getting stuck in the whale mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just un- the pictures are gross. Oh. Um, meanwhile, in Austria, Austria and Australia, same thing, right? Oh, shrimp on the Barbie. Uh, here's here's a scary one. I don't even know what to say about this. Uh, a 65 year old man in Austria um, went to the restroom, took a, an early morning visit to the toilet at his home. And then he felt, quote, felt a nip in the genital area. Oh, no. Shortly after sitting on the toilet in Graz, just after 6 a.m., he looked in the toilet and discovered an albino rectilated python. What? What? Reticulated. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) You can't even be safe on your own, John. The throne? The the throne. It's a man's throne. Man. It wasn't even like a garden snake. It was a python. Yeah. <laughs> it escaped from the apartment. Uh, his neighbor is a 24-year-old male, and the the uh, python escaped unnoticed and showed mm. up in the other dude's toilet. And the poor guy's doing his morning business and, <laughs> quote, felt a nip. Oh, How do you lose oh. a python? You see, like, I would sue that neighbor <laughs> for everything he has and then everything his family has and his extended family and anybody who's ever met him <laughs> for oh. his entire bong collection for being, <laughs> yeah. being sewn enough to lose his python the younger man kept keeps 11 <laughs> non-venomous constrictor snakes and one gecko in 11 his that's good he is uh, facing police investigation on suspicion of causing bodily harm by negligence <laughs> uh, yeah guilty uh, according to the AP, the victim sustained only minor injuries, police said. Uh, you know, you can describe no, the trauma it. No. will last forever. No. Forever. PTSD. Yes. Absolutely. I'm in counseling the- for the rest of my life if I'm that guy. Who is the police getting to describe this as a minor injury? This is a- <laughs> it's like minor surgery, which happens to someone else. <laughs> Pete's inference there, which seems completely plausible about the uh, the, the bong-hitting python owner, Going back to our last episode when Dan impugned the disc golf community by saying they're all stoned. I I heard from several people wishing to uh, Mm. rebut that gross generalization, Dan. So you might want to apologize (laughs) to the disc golf community. I apologize to the disc golf community. Some of you aren't stoners. (laughs) There. Okay. My question is why not? That's why not? (laughs) What are you doing? We covered it. Good. I generalized. I stereotyped. I am wrong. <laughs> and then finally, to get back to where we started here, uh, Japan. Yes. Uh, you and I, Pat, need to be on high alert over this situation. Uh, as you remember, there was a nuclear reactor disaster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fukushima. Yeah. Yes. Bad, bad situation. Well, so obviously they had to leave areas that had previously been populated. Well, the animals moved in. Quote, an indestructible, radioactive, hybrid (laughs) terror pig. Whoa. Indestructible, radioactive, hybrid (laughs) terror pig. Can it just go kill COVID? Can't that that pig take down the Delta variant? So there was a wild boar created a fiefdom covering the area where 160 humans left. That ore is cocky, and a, the boar are, boars are cocky and aggressive, and uh, they have lost all of their natural wariness. The marauding boar began interbreeding with escaped domestic pigs and uh, that had made good with their trotters from local farms after human keepers had been forced to flee. The pigs, for their part, were ill-suited to life in the wild in a radioactive post-apoplectic hellscape... <laughs> And presumably threw in their lot with the tough, wily boars their best chance of survival. The result is a new kind of boar-pig hybrid that originated in the initial exclusion zone within 20 kilometers of the site of the nuclear plant. I have figured out, 
like the key to writing these these unbelievable stories where you present an animal as some just horrific threat to mankind is you get to choose your own adjective to throw in there. It wasn't just the invasive hornets. It was the invasive murder hornets. It's not just the radioactive pigs. It's the radioactive terror pigs. It's all about the correct adjective use. You know? The register. Uh, same thing res uh, restaurants have done, you know? Fresh hand-carved steak. Well, it's always hand-carved. Fresh-picked lettuce. It's always fresh-picked. You throw the terror uh, in, you throw the murder in, you escalate the interest. Matt DePew, who writes for theregister.com, should not be a journalist. He should be writing fiction. This <laughs> tremendous command of the language. Um, in some cases, the aggressive porkers have refused to give ground and are attacking returning humans, meaning human authorities have been forced to deploy armed assassination teams of hunters to flesh them out. First off, a hunter is an armed assassin. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, so it's just hunter. <laughs> I mean, what kind of hunters? It's like the guys that think they can kill the grizzly bear with a fist fight. No. <laughs> the future of the Fukushima terror pig is hard to predict. If they had the intelligence to team up and combine into one unstoppable force, an indestructible boar army of that nature would surely be able to overrun the rest of Japanese and possibly the whole world. <laughs> Short leap there from... Run, overrunning Japan to overrunning the whole world. How are they getting off the island? Yeah, I think we can. I think we could team up and. I mean, the whole world gets together. Unfortunately for the boar, although they naturally live in matriarchal groups, their natural aggression and territorial nature mean that it would be very much out of character to combine into one huge terrifying unit, whether for the purposes of destroying human civilization or any other reason. Reason. So they're they're unorganized right now, but this is why we should be nervous. Because yeah. what if they get organized? If they get organized, right? All you need is one indestructible radioactive terror pig to get smart enough to organize everything, and the deal's off. We're, we're done. You guys aren't coming back from Japan. You're not getting back. <laughs> You're, You're not getting back. You're going to be trapped in that hotel for decades. <laughs> Suddenly getting quarantined in my hotel room for three weeks <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> right. But I think you should let the Americans loose, Japan. Japan See? government, I know you listen to the college football podcast yes. a lot. Yeah. Uh, you should let us loose, get those helicopters with the machine guns. We'll go take them down. <laughs> this, yeah. I would volunteer. Suit us up, man. If you just keep the bar open to 730, that'll be the deal. <laughs> just let me... It's an easy trade here, you know? Yeah. We take care All of you your big problem, hour. you keep That's the bars all. open. I'm, I'm kind of on the side of the boars and the. I mean, I'm not happy with the Japanese government trying to restrict my movements and alcohol consumption. So maybe the boars, maybe I team up with the boars. You could be the boar leader. Could be. You've been called a boar, B O R E, but now you'd be yeah. with the B O A R. He's been right. called both this, in his defense. This podcast needs to end, so we will yes. end it. Yes. We'll be back next week, though. Or just back soon. I don't know when. Talk to y'all later.